0: people of the world this is the upper bowl gm podcast my name is nick Soraris. we had a very very busy up weekend of football the buccaneers are looking like they are frauds well m- later in the week post thanksgiving episode i'll get into the nfl and college going forward but this is more of a looking back on the weekend of football that was but before we get down to the fun part of the episode gotta remind everyone you can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, anywhere there are podcasts, this podcast is there. And now that we got the boring part out of the way, get to talk about the fun stuff, of course, it's a very good weekend of college football. There were quite a few games. The most interesting game to me, in my opinion, aside from Bedlam, was the UCF Cincinnati game because it's a microcosm of the discussion I've been having most of the season where how do we take care of the teams that are at Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State every year in regards to the college football playoff? How are schools in the group of five, like UCF and Cincinnati or SMU in some years? How are those kind of schools? How are schools like Oregon from the Pac 12 supposed to get in with one loss? And it makes it where we almost have to acknowledge that the four-team playoff isn't good enough. We need we deserve better as football fans. We need to be able to find out if the if a UCF could beat an Alabama. We should have found out in 2017, but you know, Alabama were cowards about it. So, yes, this is the UCF episode. I'll see you guys on the other side of the drop. Here's Hughes at the 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. He's got a reservation for 6 in the he He's going. Touchdown. Boom. Now that I've slandered Nick Saban properly on my podcast, I throw it to a very good friend of mine, the only UTF fan I know. How are we doing, Jenna?
1: I'm doing great, man. How are you? Thank you for having me on.
0: I'm very Uh, excited.
1: (laughs) Well, um, I I appreciated that open. um, For you to give us that respect, I I really appreciated that. Um, And I think we deserve more of that. But we'll we'll get into that later. So with the UCF Cincinnati game, I'll be honest with you, um, I was expecting it to go a lot worse than it did. Somehow, I my expectations were exceeded, and yet I was disappointed at the same time. Um, With the game being as close as it was, um, I was upset because I was like, "Well, if they could be within a field goal." They could be within three points to so Cincinnati, the number 17 in the country. Then you know they should have been better this year. Period. Um, not even just talking about that one game, but just like this season period. There's no excuse for them to have not gone undefeated this year. Um, but this Cincinnati game was just a microcosm of all the issues that they've been having. Um, defense not great. <laughs> um, uh, I remember there was one play where this somebody on Cincinnati ran in for a touchdown. I was like, "You, you practically hugged the guy! Like you didn't even tackle him!" And it was just—it was infuriating. And the offense was disappointing. Um, I think Davis, as sorry not not Davis, Dylan Gabriel, as much as. You know, I've I've enjoyed watching him grow over this year. And, you know, you've seen a lot of improvement in him, sort of like m- more of what you've been expecting um, from him. You know, still not, like, still not what you need him to be. He's not the playmaker that Mackenzie was, <laughs> Mackenzie Milne was um, in his time at UCF. Um, we have that RPO offense, but the thing about the RPO is that you need to have a quarterback that, you know, is good on his feet, and he just, he wasn't great. Um, so that, those are just a few issues that I had with the game that I can think of
0: off the top of my head. Okay, so you hit a lot of the notes I have here. You ha- you hit a lot of the beats I have down written in my notes. I rewatched the Cincinnati UCF game two separate times just to kind of get a All full... Time? I rewatched it twice because on a college football Saturday, I have like eight games on at once, so I'm constantly going from game to game, and I can't give a game a full attention unless it's like the primetime game or the three o'clock SEC game, because that'll get a whole screen. But that was one of the four games in the quad, in the ESPN app quad box on Saturday where I saw they got out to the quick start, they were moving the ball pretty well, then they got a little conservative as the game went along. Cincinnati's defense started pinching down closer to the line of scrimmage making those inside runs more difficult which takes away the RPO because the RPO only really works if the threat of the running a ball is there. So I see what you're I see your gripe. You see the potential of a good a great offense that no make no mistake. This UCF offense puts up incredible numbers. They, like almost 600 600- best offense
1: like best offense in the country. Like yeah.
0: 600 plus yards a game is nothing to sneeze at i mean we'll get into what you think of their coach but from a neutral observer i i get why you're frustrated because they should they should be able they hung around better than i thought they would with cincinnati i thought cincinnati would probably pull away based on just defense because ucf's defense is pretty suspect and most of their games this year have just been scoring fests, and usually that leads to we're down, we need to keep throwing the ball, turnover. But they hung around in that game. They they took the lead. They were up at 1.13-3, to 3, and I thought, wow, they really might just be able to keep scoring. And eventually they ran into the wall where they had a hard time running the ball. But I understand the frustration is what I'm getting at because the potential is there. I mean, a lot of this college football season, you got to take with a grain of salt just because it's been so weird for everyone. Where you look at some of the things that are going on, like Michigan barely beat Rutgers, Penn State hasn't won a game yet, and it's November. The lack of practice, the lack of preseason, that stuff, it hurts.
1: Mm-hmm. The thing about that, though, I can't hold, grip onto that as much as other teams or other teams' fans do, or as much as other UCF fans seem to do, because we had these same issues last year. Um, so it's like, sure, COVID is an issue and you could say this whole season doesn't matter. We could throw it away, but still I would have liked to see a trend upward and it just seems like ever since 2017, that just hasn't happened, you know? So, but the thing about, um, since the Cincinnati game also that I forgot to mention, just the two penalties that happened that seemed to sort of just kill any momentum that they had, because when they were up 13 to three, I was like, yes, like they're going to step on their throats and just like completely demoralize them. And like, we won't have to worry about them after this. It it didn't happen. and <laughs> It was largely, I think because of those penalties and those penalties have been a problem all season. Um, they had, 18 pre-snap penalties in their Tulsa game, which is just ridiculous. Just (laughs) the stupidest thing ever. Um, And it was weird because then they went to go play Memphis and they played a better game overall, cleaner game overall, but then the defense was just awful. (laughs) Like you can't, you you know, we're up uh, like 27, I think. And then they ended up, Losing to them 51 to 50. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there, but yeah. I, but I agree with everything you said.
0: <laughs> I, I remember the, the Tulsa game because I saw you tweet about that, and I was like, she, she had to have miscounted at some point. And then I pulled up the box score, and they really had <laughs> 80-something no, yards. Of, I swear. <laughs> they had 80-something yards of penalties in the first quarter, and I was like, that, that, they, someone messed up somewhere. And then I put on the game, and sure enough, they had committed – 80-something yards of penalties in the first quarter on just false starts and offsides and the kind of stuff you can't do if you're trying to win close games. Against bad teams, you can afford that, but against good teams, you can't. So now that we've covered the basics, we we recapped your pain of Saturday (laughs) afternoon. We'll talk a little bit about why, because I know you were one of those people who was a proudly I don't like football, football is stupid people for a (laughs) while, and then how you got into football because of where you went to college. So paint a little picture. What made you choose UCF? Was sports a factor in choosing UCF? Or is that something like once you got there, oh, this is kind of fun.
1: Well, sure. So there's a whole story to that. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with my story, but um, I didn't start at UCF. Um, I went to a small private school on Long island, a commuter school, um, I don't know if I could like get sued by like talking bad about them on a podcast, but we'll get we'll give them a made up name. We'll call them Adelphi University. So I went to <laughs> So I, I went to Adelphi University for my first two years of college. And um I largely chose Adelphi because of convenience. Um it was 30 minutes away from where I lived, so I could see my friends and family whenever I wanted. Um Class sizes were small, um, campus was small, easy to get around, um, but, you know, in retrospect, I really I really didn't like the school that much. Um, I had no sense of pride in going there. Um, there was no really sense of community, nothing nothing that, like, made me happy about going to school there, and after two years, I was like, you know, I don't, I'm spending a lot of money to be here, and I don't think it's it's worth it, Um and I I could be happier somewhere else. I could be doing more somewhere else. So um, UCF was on my list because one, I had some family that was going to school there or had gone to school there and they were all like really happy with it. They spoke really highly of it. Um, Two, um, it worked out economically for me because I had a college fund I'm originally from from Florida, and you know you could say what you want about Florida, but their state education system is pretty great so if if you put enough money into your college fund early, you could pay off their in state tuition um by the time you're like eighteen because it's so cheap so I essentially went to school and I graduated with no debt um so that was great but sports right was honestly yeah, sports was honestly an afterthought um I remember talking to my friend about like the positives of going there and I remember being like, well, I get to experience like d one sports. that's really cool, but um, you know football wasn't on my radar. Um, but of course, when I got there, like it was a it was a whole journey for me that I wasn't expecting to have. Um, and I think the thing about football is that you know i I would see it on TV um but I didn't have any sort of like emotional attachment to any team or any players and there was wasn't there wasn't that investment for me that I have with like baseball um but then of course the universe was like you want to be invested in football like here's like a million reasons to be invested in football and I got to experience like the most storybook season of all time or like one of the greatest Storybook seasons of all time in football, going from 0 and 12 to undefeated in two years. Like that's insane, and I feel so lucky to have like been a part of it. And that's that's my old spiel on that.
0: It's a good spiel. I'll be honest with you. It's because I remember because I remember that. I remember you just being like, a, "Eh, football, who cares?" And then it kind of was like, "This is fun. I could get used to this." And then there was the undefeated season and beating Auburn in the Peach Bowl? Is, is my yes, brain. Re- the Peach Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Beating Auburn in the Peach Bowl and then the parade at Disney World and then the state I ordinance. I was there
1: at the parade. But yeah, anyway. Then, uh, Mackenzie waited at me and it was, oh my God. It just, I'll be living it. It's like making me emotional. But um, yeah, it, it was just crazy to be a part of. And I don't know how you can like watch that and not like be in love with the game after that. Right. I love it so much. Probably. I hate to say it, but it, it's probably my favorite sport now and now just cause it, I think it's because each game means so much and um, I have such an attachment to the team. And um, with college football, there's so much pride that comes with it because you're not just, you know, it's not just the game. It's about like the culture of the school. And, you know, when you, when you lose it, you take it really personally. So, um, it just, it means a lot to me. And, uh, yeah, I love, I love my school more than anything, even though, uh, they're driving me nuts right now. <laughs> I,
0: I, it happens. It, that's part of it. Cause one of the things I was going to ask you about is because UCF, as a football school is kind of a newer entity where only i mean they only became division one FPS in 1996 and mm-hmm. a lot of the schools that you know that are traditional powers in college football have been playing since like you know the 1800s so there's a lot of continuity and trying to figure out your place and everything because where i went to college they kind of where i went to i went to stony brook they kind of really tried to beat us over the head like maybe one day we could be in the FBS and maybe we <laughs> could go to a Rose Bowl one day and the athletic director really said that with his whole chest like <laughs> yes our 20,000 seat stadium is going to be playing in the Rose Bowl someday and it's just how non-traditional schools treat sports so was that a major like focal point of the community at UCF is athletics
1: so i don't know about pre 2017 But I think as a whole, um, athletics at UCF have have really been on the rise. I mean, with basketball, um,
0: Taco, Taco.
1: hmm? Taco, yes, Taco. Um, but with, with basketball, um, you know, they were just in March Madness for the first time in 16 years. Um, I'm pretty, our baseball team is pretty great. Um. We have a fairly good soccer team, I think, like w- pretty consistent AAC championships across the board. Um, so, it, it sports are a big focal point of the school, but of course, it's not the same culture as you know, an Ohio State or a Clemson or an Alabama. Um, like, you're you're not gonna you're hard pressed to find people like me who you know, love this school with all their heart and like have contemplated getting like the UCF logo tattooed on them. Like (laughs) um, I have friends who are like, like really you wanna go to the game today? I'm like, Yes, I want to go to the game today And they're like, Do we have to get there two hours early? And I'm like, Yes, yeah we do. So um you don't you don't have a lot of you don't have that die hard mentality, but you know, you have people you do have, you know, the cult of people like me who who are obsessed with it. Um it's just smaller. Um it's but it's cool to go to a non traditional school because, you know, it's fun to experience those firsts. Yeah. Um and I like being the underdog. (laughs) I like it. Um it was really cool to, you know, be able to prove like all the national media wrong and like just all the doubters wrong when they were like, oh, I bet you can't run the table again. And we did, we did in 2018. <laughs> so, um, and I love talking trash when we do, when we do prove people wrong. So it's fun and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: It's one of those things. It's cool to be a part of something like that, where, yeah. yeah, they're still growing. They may, maybe one day they move to a bigger conference, but they're still a growing school. Their program, their football program is only, you know, 30-ish years old. They, they, to go from non-existent in the FBS to, you know, a pretty consistent contender in the American Conference, and then, you know, to have a season like they did in 2017, I mean, we'll we'll get to the Scott Frost and Cornfield slander shortly, because <laughs> I, I, know, I know you got some things you want to get off your chest about that, but it's cool to see a program that comes from relative nowhere to be where they are now, because there's a lot of things to do in Orlando. It's cool to see that they can still fill that stadium in, you know, non-pandemic times. I mean, they kind of did fill the stadium on Saturday, but I, I, I won't get into that because, you know, I, I don't want Ron DeSantis to yell at me because, you know, science and things of that nature. But yeah, so that now we get to go full the nostalgia of that team that won the be- the memories of that. What sticks out from being around that team? what was what's different about was different about that team as opposed to the years since
1: goodness um well the thing about scott frost's team is that it was it was his team and he he created that offense so he knows it better than anybody um and you know Josh Heupel can like try to emulate it but it's it's not the same he doesn't the same aggressiveness that Scott did. Um, you know, there are times when um, you know I'll be like, "Go for it!" I'm forked out and he just he doesn't. He just he t- settles for the field goal, and I'm like, "Why? Why?" And it comes back to bite us in the butt later, like it always does. Um, so aggressiveness is probably one of the things because you know, once you know, once we scored on somebody, like we didn't let up. Like we we scored like forty. 30, 40 points of the game on, you know, our, our opponents. And I think that was what really set us apart from everybody else. You know, we just win games this season. We don't crush anybody. Um, And I I miss that a lot. Um, And it was just a special team with a lot of really great quality players. Some of which are, you know, in the NFL now and um, people, and I, I tend to agree with them that we need to bring that quality of recruitment back because we've kind of lost it and we don't think that, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but um, Hypel's not as great as um, Scott Frost was with bringing in that talent, that local talent um, from around Florida. So that's something that we definitely need to improve on.
0: Gotcha yeah no we'll definitely get into a little bit of that the recruiting stuff because Florida is such a hotbed for football prospects coming out of high school and that basically now there are no like hidden prospects anymore because everybody has a rivals profile and every single athletic department can see every single high school pretty much on the planet that plays football they can see it without having to send someone to see it and especially the big states like Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania, California, Ohio. The big four or five schools like the Clemsons, Alabamas, Texases of the world, they just go wherever they want and just take everyone else's, every other state's recruits. And it's hard for the smaller schools like UCF. Like even my – I mean, I'm never going to say Miami is struggling recruiting-wise, but Miami 20 years ago got, you know, three of the top 40 guys in a recruiting class pretty consistently. Now, they're lucky if they're able to get like, you know, two of the top 50 in-state recruits from Florida because it's so much more competitive from those bigger programs just coming in, dropping in and saying, hey, we want you to come be the backup to the backup. And in three years, you're going to be able to contend for a national title when you do. And then you'll go right to the NFL right afterwards, whereas opposed to UCF, it's a little more difficult with the, the sales pitch of, OK, most years will be pretty competitive in the American. We'll have a decent chance at a solid bowl game. And if you stay all four years, we can probably get you to the NFL. It's a it's a more difficult sell, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um. And I look, but it's it's possible to be a group of five team, and you know recruit those local guys because you see, you see Luke Fickle do it with yep. Cincinnati, and he's done a great job. He has the best class of recruits. Um. among group of five teams and that's a really good team um so it's possible um we just don't have we don't have anything to show these recruits like (laughs) especially with the last two years there's nothing enticing them to want to come here and I, i just i don't think that's that's excusable considering you know what we did just three years ago um you know, we should have more than that to show them.
0: No, no, I definitely understand that. I mean, the year after they went undefeated, they had the number one recruiting class in the American. I mean, people want results. I did slander Nick Saban's good name at the beginning of this podcast. So I, I think it's important that we do state the legitimacy of UCF's claim to the national championship in 2017, because they did go undefeated. They did win a good bowl game. They have a legitimate claim, even though they didn't make the playoff. This is something that kind of got me like, are these guys serious in 2017 when I wasn't that into college football? I wasn't as just in the know about it at the time, but I'm going to let this be one of those. I'm going to let them, the UCF fans have this, because I know if my college football team did this, I would want to feel it. So how was that experience like, and why why do you so seriously defend that claim to the national championship?
1: Well, I think you'd be surprised to know that, you know, if you asked like a group of UCF students about this, you'd actually get, like a pretty diverse amount of answers, you you wouldn't just get, oh, like they were the national champions across the board. Some people like straight up think it was delusional. Um I'm of the camp that, you know, if you want to say like straight up they were national champions, like you do that. Good for you. Um and you know I I love to like milk it for what it's worth because it was it was so fun. Like just as an experience it was so fun to like you know have the parade at Disney, have the banners and just like, it, it was a great time to be a student. And I just don't see why you wouldn't like want that. Like if you don't, if you hate on that, like you just, you hate fun. But um, I think more than anything, it was really a marketing strategy. And it's a good one at that because to this day, you have people on Twitter every time, you know, just Somebody makes, a, you know, a, a tweet about, like, some team claiming a title for something. They're like, oh, UCF's had it again. Like, you know, like, we live rent-free in your heads. We live rent-free in your heads. And <laughs> I think it's great. Um, so, and, you know, by the transit of property, you could say we would have beaten Alabama because we did beat Auburn who beat Alabama that year. So if if you want to go that route, like, you can do that. Um, of course, you know, realistically, we'll never know because we never got to play Alabama. And, um, you know, we should have. We should have been able to because uh, I think it would have been great for football. Um, you know, and that team was really, really good. So, you know, could I tell you with complete certainty they would have been in Alabama? No, no, I couldn't have. <laughs> no, not with Chuba as their quarterback, um, but...
0: Maybe with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. Maybe
1: with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. But I can could, I could tell you, like, I would have loved to see it. And, you know, you can say what you want. I've had this argument with people on Twitter numerous times, um, and, you know, it always circles back to the same thing. You could say that they couldn't have beat them, but ultimately like, having this conversation is pointless because it's all based on hypotheticals, and we'll never really know. We'll never know. Um, But we... But the point is that we, like, we should be able to know, and we should see these teams battle it out because, you know, if they're great in their own right, they should be able to prove it on the national stage. So that's my opinion on that.
0: How many national championship apparel items do you own?
1: Ooh! (laughs) I have a few. I have... Well, okay. Um, I don't actually. I don't have national championship apparel. Um, I have chiefly peach bowl apparel. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but when I bought it, <laughs> I specifically said like, "Oh, these are my national champs." So, but I want to say for the record, the national championships logo that we have that like has like the peach. In the O with, with the champions, like, fire. Fire it is a good so trip. good. <laughs> so, um, I don't personally own any of that memorabilia, but if you do, more power to you. <laughs> you.
0: You need to get, when you have your own adult place, you need to have a tiny national championship banner somewhere in your house.
1: They definitely still have the flag somewhere somebody's got it selling them on like ebay or something i know they do um yeah i'll
0: for sure buy one yeah that's what it's all about college football is about those lasting memories you're gonna have the rest of your life for little things and those things like that i mean that's a legitimate claim and it's what makes talking about sports fun because you don't know the answer and it's why we have these hypothetical discussions and it what makes it's what makes sports talk go round it's how they fill 24 hours a day 7 days a week 365 days a year it's how sports media exists is these dumb hypotheticals <laughs> no one knows of course no one knows that's the point <laughs> you got to argue and make your point that's why this is fun exactly so when you were at UCF was there is there a long i can't even say is there a long history cuz i know a lot of the sales pitching stuff for where i at stony brook was like get in on the ground floor so that way by the time you're retired you'll have a good athletic department how is ucf's athletic culture in that regard is it a long history of like people just giving back to the community that went there as at and then grew up got successful and then donated back
1: i think that's how it is yeah um I mean, we have a very large alumni network just because of how many people go to school there. Right. Um, and there we have a lot of <laughs> pretty well-off uh, donor donors. Um, our ADA actually released a statement a few days ago about um, our finances now in uh, the age of COVID. Um, and they were projecting, I think, a $15 million loss for the program and they've sort of mitigated it. Um, So it's only $5 million. So, granted, we are in tough times right now. (laughs) Um, And, you know, whatever existing problems the program had is only exacerbated by COVID. But, um, you know, hopefully uh, people will step up and (laughs) give them more money because, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, this isn't it for us and, you know, we can continue to move forward in the program and set new goals because I don't I don't think this is our ceiling.
0: No, definitely. I mean we'll get into the larger discussion of where you want the program to go in a <laughs> in a few, but there's a realistic path for an undefeated group of five team to make the playoff in a six or eight team field, which I think is realistically where we probably get when they fine-tune the playoff system to the the right number of teams because four is too few. 16 is too many. It's probably six or eight. I would lean eight just because why not? I mean, in a year like this, it would it would make more sense So, because then you could throw the undefeated Cincinnati team in there. You can throw one loss Florida, one loss A&M, and then you can just throw BYU in there for the fun of it because, you know, they're undefeated and they score <laughs> a lot of points. I wouldn't complain if the Mormons played Alabama. That could be fun. Yeah. There wouldn't be a lot of defense, but it, it could potentially be fun. So now that you've gotten your, some of your gripes off your chest, what's your best memory, best football memory at UCF?
1: Oh, that's, that's a no-brainer. That's um, the uh, UCF-USF game in 2017. Uh, I believe the final score was 49-42. Uh, they're considered our rival, but they're not really – Um, (laughs) it's just because of a, it's a, it's a regional thing and, um, it it was a big deal because, you know, the winner of that game was going to, um, the conference championship and, um, I don't know if you remember this play at all, if you've seen it, but, um, the pick six, um, that sort of sealed the deal, um. I've never seen anything like that in my life. That entire game was so back and forth. Um, it's regarded as one of the best college football games of all time. And it should be because um, it kind of like solidified my fandom. And um, I, I, like, I'll never experience anything like that again in my life. Um, but that's my favorite memory by far.
0: Yeah, no, that that's the entire point of this kind, this podcast is that occasionally our miserable sports teams make us happy and we get to be happy about that. Cause a lot of times it's very long mm-hmm. in between when it does happen. So when you do have something like that, that you can happily reflect on, like you're going to tell people about that the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things. That's just sports are the best. Like as much as they suck sometimes sports are awesome. No, it was, it
1: was, it was magical. And, um, I miss it, I miss it, um, but to, to your point about, um, the playoff, uh, am I getting ahead of myself here, (laughs) um, um, you know, I I was thinking about it, and I was like, eh, let's, let's say Cincinnati does win out, right, um, I would love for them to make the playoff, (laughs) but, uh, considering that we already lost to them, you know, it's, better for me to root for their success because it means more money for the conference. Um, but I don't, I don't think that the national opinion towards a group of five teams has shifted enough to get them in, but I, I would love it. But would they fare well against, you know, Alabama Clemson, those kind of teams? I, I don't think so, <laughs> but, um, it would be cool to watch and, um, I don't know about this year, but maybe sometime soon. I would love an eighteen playoff. I when they were talking about it, um, before the season started, and when Covid was you know, raging on, um I was like, this is this is great. Like this is maybe the one good thing to come out of this is that maybe we'll have an eighteen playoff, and then they didn't do it. So it was like, well, okay, <laughs> maybe maybe in a few years, but um, it would it would make be better for the sport, I think. Um, you know, if you don't want it, then you d- you don't know what's good for the sport, because there's nothing more exciting to me than, well, first of all, this is, like, the most exciting sport, and to me, having the same teams in the playoff over and over again, like, just completely is the opposite of what college football is supposed to be, so that's my thoughts on that.
0: <laughs> No, no, definitely. I understand that because the, the system in place works. All you got to do is take two more of the bowl games that they play on New Year's Day and push them back a day and a half. You play the three games the week early, the few days earlier, you give everyone a week and a half, they play again, they get another week off and then your national title game. There's an existing structure where you don't have to change anything All you got to do is move bowl games back a few days. Move them to before New Year's Day, and then you have a new – you have – you know, you would have either six games for – wait, my brain is (laughs) short-circuiting. Two games for four teams, three games for six – four games, yeah. You'd have four games on New Year's Eve instead of the two we've been having. I mean, realistically, this year is a little weird because Notre Dame's in the – acc which kind of messes it up where in a normal year if notre dame went 9-0 10-0 and they weren't in a conference they probably wouldn't get in the playoff but because they beat clemson they'll probably get in this year i the best bet for cincinnati to get in is they need florida to lose the sec championship game to alabama and then they need a&m to lose one more time in conference play if a&m loses one more game they'll have two losses One which will be kind of crappy and the other one to Alabama. That's probably their best path forward. And even if Cincinnati goes undefeated, there's a reasonable chance if Clemson beats Notre Dame in the ACC championship game that what, you know what, Trevor Lawrence didn't play in the game in the regular season. We'll put Clemson in there with the one loss. But Notre Dame beat them in the regular season. We got to put Notre Dame in there with the one loss. So we would get Alabama against probably the loser would Notre Dame. So you get Alabama, Notre Dame, which was, a slaughter the last time they played in the first round of the playoff and then you would get Ohio State Clemson again which I would like to see because those are two very good football teams mm-hmm. I will say though your one the one point you made before about how Cincinnati would fare against the better team the higher quality teams in the SEC or the big Ten. I was reading something in the athletic the other day about what Cincinnati's defense does that's unique they have a personnel grouping that's really good against spread offenses where They have stand-up edge rushers, but there's still five guys down on the line, and it's a good way to get pressure, only sending four pass rushers, and that's why you beat the really good passing offenses. If you can get pressure with four guys, you have a chance against them, because then you can drop seven into coverage, and you have a chance. Again, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all more talented teams, but occasionally, good scheme can beat those, and... So, we saw last year, I mean, we saw LSU take that spread offense and just go bananas with it in a way that, you know, no SEC team had done really before. I mean, not a good SEC team. The bad ones have thrown for 6,000 yards in a season because they're losing every game. But now that we've covered the bases, we've hit those points, realistically, What do you want for UCF? Realistically, now, you can't say I want to be a national champion every year. Realistically, (laughs) in a good season, what do you want from UCF?
1: I would like to see us aim consistently for uh, New Year's Six Bowl games. Um, You know, if there's no path to the playoff, then I'd be happy with that. Um, I want to aim for top ten ranking every year um because i I believe that they're capable of that um but you know you know i'm I'm not going to be that person that's like national champions because it's just not it's not realistic right now but you know i i've seen what we've been able to do you know i think that if we could get back to that we could aim to do that more than just two years in a row then I'd be happy with that.
0: All right. So now that you've set the table for that, you're yeah. the, the floor is yours to say whatever you would like to say about Scott Frost.
1: Okay. So when he first decided, when the news broke that he was deciding to leave, um, during the AAC championship game, I might add, <laughs> um, we were literally like about to win. And <laughs> like the article came up on my Twitter feed and I was like, great um you know I wasn't I wasn't that upset about it just because I was so happy (laughs) with um you know where he'd gotten us um that I was like I can't I can't complain like you know you can go on and be great and do whatever you want because you deserve it um and if you want to go out (laughs) and live your glory days in the cornfields of Nebraska then you do that um but now um being in the position that he is in, <laughs> you know, uh, almost, you know, three seasons under his belt at Nebraska, um, with his twenty nine and twenty five record. Um, you know, and us being in the position that we're in, you know, it's like, why? <laughs> Why'd you do it? <laughs> you could have been here and you could have you could have ushered us. You could have been Cincinnati we could have been Cincinnati if you had stayed. Um but you know, I don't like to think about hypotheticals like that too much, otherwise it's drive me crazy. Um, if he'd like to come back in a few years when Josh Heifel's contract is up, because I don't think we have the money to buy out his contract right now, but when we can get into that later, um, I will welcome him back with open arms <laughs> because I miss him so much. <laughs> and I think that the team, I'd like to think the team uh, would have been, be- it would have been in better shape under him. There are some people that suggest that he left at just the right time, and if he had stayed, he would have been in Josh Heupel's position right now, because, quite frankly, that was the ceiling. Um, I don't, I don't know how much I believe that, um, but, you know, <laughs> Scott, if you're listening, like we will take you back. I will
0: be sure to email this to Nebraska's um, SID, <laughs> Nebraska's football's SID. Just I'll send that little snippet of, please, Scott, if you're ready, come back. We miss you. I'm sure you're miserable as all hell coaching your three-win team in the Big Ten, getting wrecked by anyone with a pulse. I mean, I, at some point, he has to realize he bit off more than he could chew, because. Mm-hmm that was a daunting job to say, I'm going to rebuild Nebraska considering where Nebraska was when he got that job and just how bad they've been, you know, since Tom Osborne retired and ran for us Senate in 1998, <laughs> 99, whatever. Yeah. The year they shared the title with Michigan, 1998. Yeah. That was his last year as head coach. They just, that's a daunting job to try and rebuild a program with that kind of history. Cause like I had said before, there's no hiding recruits anymore and Nebraska hasn't been relevant nationally in 25 years now so it's daunting to say I'm going to take what I did here at a group of five in this conference and I'm going to take that to Nebraska in the Big Ten where I'm going to have to play Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa. It's just that's such a tall order and he, real, he probably realizes now he's He's not getting Nebraska back to where he thought he would. And he probably will be back in the coaching cycle in a year or two because he'll get a better offer. He'll get an offer from a group of five school or a smaller power five school and just, you know, get to work his resume up a little bit again, pad his resume, put together a nice season, and then go back at it at a bigger school because what he did, at a, it's just, there's not a direct correlation of what you're doing at a group of five school to a power five school just because the talent base is so different because mm. you're playing significantly better teams. And that's not to say I don't enjoy the group of five. I watch a lot of the American Football Conference, American Association, um, the American Conference, because there are relevant teams in it. UCF most years, Cincinnati, Memphis, SMU. There are relevant schools in that conference that on a college football Saturday, I want to see what's going on over there. There are creative ideas that come from there. And it's one of the reasons I really got into college football over the last three, four years is the NFL just steals all the concepts from college now. And it makes it a lot more interesting because you see things happen, then you see them get picked up. The RPO offense, it didn't start in college, but that's where the NFL coordinators found it. It's how the Eagles won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. It's a tool, makes, job, makes the job easier. Group of five schools need a little more respect. Is what I'm circling back to, and that yeah, Scott Frost is probably going to end up back on the carousel shortly if Nebraska can afford to kind of make him disappear. And it's it's tough because he probably deserved better than that. But that was an untenable situation, a painfully difficult situation. Yeah. Um, so, I. You said you got to watch the McKenzie feature on, on game day, right? Yeah. So, I did. So the floor is yours to, to just gush about Mackenzie Milton because I remember watching him the last few the years before he got hurt and thinking, this guy's decent. He's probably not going to translate to the NFL, but this guy's a really good college quarterback. So I'm going to like let the floor to you. I'm going to put the microphone down, and you can say whatever you want to say and take as long as you want to talk about Mackenzie Milton, the football player, his recovery, him coming back. It, the floor is yours, man.
1: Sure. Sure. Uh... Well, I want to start off by saying that I don't think that McKenzie was nearly as appreciated as he would have been when he was playing and he was healthy, and that's like the biggest travesty of all of this. Um, He finished eighth in Heisman voting in 2017, and then he finished sixth the following year when he (laughs) blew out his leg. Um... And, you know, it would have just been upward from there for him. Um, And I don't – he was such a dynamic player, like just so good on all fronts. He could run the ball like nobody's business, Um, just threw dimes. He was so fun to watch. And I don't – people just not enough people knew about him because he was on a group of five team and he was a group of five quarterback. Um, But he deserved as much respect as, you know, the Baker Mayfields of the world and the Trevor Lawrences the world. He was so good. And, you know, like you said, I don't know if he would have translated to the NFL well. Um, He reminds me of Trace McSorley in that uh, respect just because – you know, they have very similar builds and very similar styles of play. Um, but, you know, Trace is a backup quarterback. And Mackenzie um, would have probably been in the situ- same situation had he been able to de- declare for the draft. Um, but I, I just miss watching him so much. And, you know, if he gets to play on – Friday's game, um, against USF. I will, there will not be a dry eye in that stadium. Um, and there will not be a dry eye in my house because I will cry. Um, cause he just, he deserves it more than anybody. Um, I, I, (laughs) it makes you emotional a little bit just cause, um, you know, getting to see somebody who you know it's not only a tremendous athlete but like just like a really really good guy um you know come back from that um he almost had he almost nearly had to have his leg, leg amputated so um the fact that he worked so hard to get back and you know might actually get to do it um is huge um and that's that's my spiel
0: <laughs> i mean i I get it. We've seen some really bad quarterback leg injuries the last few years. That one stands out. The Alex Smith one stands out. What happened to friggin' poor Joe Burrow on Sunday playing quarterback as protected as they are now. It's still dangerous business, man. You get rolled up on the wrong way and your knee's gone. Your leg is dangling below. I mean, it's insane that Alex Smith is playing in the NFL. It's crazy that Mackenzie Milton is going to get to dress and potentially play in a football game after what happened to him. And it's a testament to that he wanted to keep playing because, you know, most of us normal people would have almost lost our leg and been like, okay, I just want to be able to walk again and I'll be good with that. I'll get my degree and I'll move on. But to say, you know what, no, I want to rehab, I want to try and play football again, that, that's hard it's hard shit to do. Not it's not not for everybody. Football is a brutal sport.
1: And the parallels between Joe Burrow and McKenzie are so weird because um, you, you know he sort of caught attention on a national stage for the first time uh, during the uh festival um, against UCF. The Two years ago, and you know, Mackenzie might be coming back now. The same week that Joe Burrow happened to blow out his knee, so, so very weird coincidence there. Um, but you know, I definitely see the Alex Smith comparison. It was funny that you put that in our in our like our rundown because I saw that and I was like, you know, I didn't know who Alex Smith was until very recently because I saw his E60 on ESPN and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm so attached to this person that I didn't know existed, like, 30 minutes ago, because he reminded me so much of Mackenzie and it made me so emotional, um, and watching that college game day feature just brought back so many emotions that I hadn't felt since the day he got hurt, um, so it was very painful for me, but also, um, you know, also very cathartic because like i know he's in like a much better um place now than he was then so it's you know it's it's mixed emotions but
0: oh definitely it it's complicated to come to terms with that because i remember when um what's it called when kyle allen got hurt uh, and alex smith went into the game i was looking around the room with my friends and i was like they're really letting alex smith in the game like they think he can play and granted he's proven that yes he's he can move around he can actually play but just in my mind thinking like Alex Smith almost had to have his leg cut off how bad the infections were per surgery he's gonna play professional football right now and you know they don't care on the other team like yeah they're not gonna try and roll up on him but if someone barrels into him that's it and it's crazy to think about and I don't know if he's actually going to get to play but if McKenzie shoots up as the backup that's a good story I will be that's one of the things that only really happens in college football where someone can work their way back like that and just get a chance that's all that's all we can really ask for is just one more chance if he actually gets in that's a different story and I'll be sure to check in with your mental health.
1: Thank you, because um, I w- I will definitely be holding my breath. I will be scared, um, but you know, if it happens, then you know, great for him. Um, I w- I will be a little bit disappointed. I'll say if you know, um, you know, hearing all this news and then suddenly he he doesn't end up playing because. I'll I'll tell you one thing. If he does, it will have made this season worth it. I don't care about our record. I don't care about, you know, having to play in the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl again. I I won't care. (laughs) Because I'll have gotten to see, because, you know, like, take a snap at the end. Like, I I won't care. Um, So...
0: I, I remember you complaining about being in the bad boy mowers gasparilla bowl that's a great name for a bowl game it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter but that'd be a fire t-shirt you get to throw that on a t-shirt bad boy mowers gasparilla bowl winner 2020 that's fire
1: it, it was a, it's a cool name i guess <laughs> but it, it just felt like such a slap in the face like Marshall, really? You couldn't have picked anybody else. Like, um, whatever.
0: <laughs> Put some respect on the Thundering Herd. They are out here smoking teams this year.
1: This year, last year was a different story. But um, fair enough. Fair enough. But <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so we've had the fun part of the conversation. You've got to reminisce a little bit. Now I'm putting you in charge of the UCF Athletic Department. You've already stated that your main goal is we want to be in decent bowl games every year and we want to try and be the, in the top 10 at the end of the year. Right. So how can you make that happen? What are realistic ways of doing that? Is it just we need to play better right now to entice recruits to come? Do we need a coach who's more geared towards getting guys to the NFL? What do you think are reasonable steps? Uh.
1: Well, first off, <laughs> if money was not an object, um, and I could find someone else to replace him, I would fire Coach Heupel. Um just because I don't foresee him being the coach that this team needs if they want to be competitive every single year. Um, I'm I'm not a I'm not calling myself a play caller, but <laughs> if I know the plays that he's going to make in every game and when he's going to make them, then you have a problem. <laughs> um, we, we need a real offensive-minded coach and it's not him. Um, if there's a better coach out there than Scott Frost, there could be, but I don't know of him. So if Scott Frost wants to come back, then he can come back. Um, and he should bring back um, the UCF that he took with him <laughs> to Nebraska, um, except for the defensive coach because I, I don't think he he worked for us. Eric Chinander, I think, was his name. Um, and I don't think Randy Shannon's working either. Um, so just find a new defensive coach entirely. Um, and hopefully that'll change the culture that we have right now. Um, I just think the team is not as disciplined as it used to be um, fix the penalty problem, um, just bring back that winning mindset that we had in 2017, and just not a complete overhaul, because I, the way I'm talking, it sounds like things are a lot worse than they are, and I know that things could be way worse than they are. We could be, oh, and
0: Make the Penn State joke. Go ahead. Make the Penn State joke. We
1: could be Penn State. Sorry, Katie. Sorry, Katie, if you're listening. But we could be Penn State, but we're not. Um, so I'm I'm being a little dramatic here. But you know, just I I want that back so bad. <laughs> and um you know, maybe maybe I'm a little too nostalgic. Maybe I have to accept that this is the reality of it, but um You know, that those are the changes I would make
0: is first and foremost. Okay. So the one question I have for you is, do you think it's because he views this job as just a building block job where eventually he's probably going to try and make a jump to a bigger program? And that's something that UCF has to come to terms with that a lot of coaches are going to look at it as a launching pad job where if they do well enough there, they can get to a bigger school, get paid more and have more power.
1: That's a good question <laughs> um i mean he was at oklahoma before he came to ucf so i mean phew. money talks i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't know because other teams are probably going to want luke fickle <laughs> yeah um after this season or maybe even an nfl team we don't know um it's a, it's a good question. And I think it's all the more reason for there to be an 18 playoff because then I think there's more of an incentive for coaches to want to stay long-term and um, to make the adjustments that should be made to, to create competitive teams, you know, because they're actually playing for something. They're, they're not playing with the mindset that, oh, like this is – this is the ceiling for us, and we can't go any higher than that. Um, so, I don't know. Jerry's out on that one. But
0: Yeah, no, because it, it's just something that came to mind because when you look at the schools that are consistently good, it's because they have the same coach for a long period of time and is able to establish what they want the team to look like, how they want them to play, the kind of assistance they want, that kind of thing. Continuity is a big factor in college football because it, it helps build over time because when you have that continuity and you can get going in a clear trending direction, it helps you in every other aspect. You're successful, you get more recruits, you get more recruits, you do play, better, play better, you get more money to spend. It's all one cycle that feeds into each other and it's what makes it difficult like right now. I mean, they're going to finish this year with probably three losses and that seems like the end of the world. Because in college football, it is the end of the world because there are so few games in the course of a season, which goes back to what you said at the beginning of the episode where every game means so much because there are so few of them. And it's just such such an intensely stressful period being in your football team. I mean, I haven't been that stressed about the Giants in years because they're awful. So I'm envious that you get to be stressed about your football team because you expect something from them. It, it's got to be nice to actually expect something from your team.
1: Yeah, it is. So I guess I'll, I'll count my blessings.
0: <laughs> yes. So, Jenna, where can the people find you on Twitter if they want to throw you a follow?
1: Oh, okay. Well, my Twitter is at Jenna Ashlyn. That's J E N N A A S H L Y N. if you want to follow me on Twitter. Um, I tweet during every UCF football game. I lose a decent amount of followers every Saturday. Um, but it's worth it because um, I tweet like a maniac. And um, But what can I say? College football makes me crazy. Um, so be prepared for that.
0: Thank you so much for coming, Jenna. This was very fun. I didn't think I was going to be talking this much about UCF football at any point in my life. But the game on Saturday was particularly interesting. It was a very fun game to watch. Sorry you had to endure that pain. But, you know, we got the mats. We actually get to say that now. We got that's the mats.
1: That's true. And that's also something I've been telling myself every time they lose. I'm like, it's just the universe it's balancing itself out. Now I've got a really good baseball team, so my football team's got to be crappy, you know? So, it's okay. <laughs> and thank you for having me on.
0: Absolutely. At some point, once we have an idea of when baseball season is going to happen and what it's looked like, I will probably have you and several other Met fans just to be like, "Wow, we're actually going to be good this year, and we expect to be good this year."
1: <laughs> and it's just, just going to be that over and over again. Yeah. yeah uh,
0: do you want to talk about how much money Steve Cohen has again? How much? Fourteen mil- billion. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. All right, people, this will be out on Wednesday. So enjoy your Thanksgiving tomorrow. Uh, I'm sorry we have to watch the Cowboys. They're not. That game is going to be rough. But episode on Friday, looking ahead to where I think the college football playoff is going to end up being and where the NFL playoffs look like they're heading. But a little more time left for football. See you guys.